So hi, and welcome to Course in Miracles with Miracles One. This is Rev Deb, and along with me, uh, Rev Deb Phelps, and along with me is Gail Bartlett and Mary Dole. Hello, ladies. Good been morning, a while since the three of us have been together. Good morning, afternoon, and evening. <laughs> hi, everybody. So we're back at looking at the text this time, and uh, we had a great session. Uh, we're just Gail and I. We missed you, Mary, of course, during the Q and A session. So this time we're looking at the text, chapter one, section four, uh, the escape from darkness. It'll be a great, great one to look at here. So uh, without further ado, let's get rolling here. So the escape from darkness. So we're on page 11 uh, in the text. So we're still in chapter one. Yes, it's taken us several months. <laughs> we're still in chapter one, but that's okay. That doesn't matter. Uh, who's, who's counting anyway? So the escape from darkness involves two stages. First, the recognition that darkness cannot hide, and this step usually entails fear. Uh, second, the recognition that there is nothing you want to hide, even if you could. And this step brings escape from fear. When you have been willing to hide nothing, you will not only be willing to enter into communion, but will also understand peace and joy. Holiness can never be really hidden in darkness, but you can deceive yourself about it. This deception makes you fearful because you realize in your heart it is a deception, and you exert enormous efforts to establish its reality. The miracle sets reality where it belongs. Reality belongs only to spirit, and the miracle acknowledges only truth. It thus dispels illusions about yourself and puts you in communion with yourself and God. The miracle joins in the atonement by placing the mind in the service of the Holy Spirit. This establishes the proper function of the mind and corrects its errors, which are merely lacks of love. Your mind can be possessed by illusions, but spirit is eternally free. If a mind perceives without love, it perceives an empty shell and is unaware of the spirit within. But the atonement restore spirit to its proper place. The mind that serves spirit is invulnerable. That's pretty cool, if I say so myself. I, I, I just love the last line right there. The mind that serves spirit is invulnerable. So who am I serving? It kind of reminds me, I guess, from the Bible, you know, you can't serve two masters. I think he brings it up in the course too. So if, I, if I'm serving spirit, well, then I'm invulnerable because that's placing me where I truly am, the truth of me, who I really am. And so if we go back to the beginning there, the, so there's two stages to the escaping darkness and it's recognizing that we can't hide in the darkness. And secondly, we can't hide to begin with. <laughs> There's nothing to hide from. So, yeah, so when we understand that we can't hide anything, you will, yeah, saying you won't be willing to enter into communion, but it will also understand peace and joy. So, no hiding. Let's not hide. Let's be who we truly are and realize that. So, I guess I'm done. I'll pass the ball along. 
This is Mary. Um, one of the lessons this week, we're in a review, the first review, and I don't remember which lesson it is, but it said, it says, reality is never frightening. You know, this, I think this goes along from, goes along with escaping from darkness, knowing that there's nothing, what is real isn't scary. You know, I, I'm a, a lover of um, fantasy literature. I'm a huge Tolkien fan. And one of the things I love about it is that the reality that you see in a lot of books, if they're written well, that is, is usually one that's expansive and free. And um, there may be challenges that the people involved in the story meet, but there's always hope. There's always hope. And so as I as we read this section about escaping from darkness, that, that lesson came back to me about reality is never frightening. Because often in what is called realistic literature, there's all kinds of frightening things happening. And um, I, I think that misrepresents what is really true. So I'm really grateful that reality is never frightening and that there is nothing to hide. And we don't have to hide that we can live our lives in openness and, and be invulnerable, um, opening our hearts and not being, not being afraid to do so. And I'm done. Well, sometimes the text, um, you know, I feel as though it's, I'm trying too hard to understand it. You know, I've talked about that before. And it's been so long since I revisited the beginning of the text. Um, but I was thinking about an experience I had last week, which I shared in our circle of peace or made reference to. But I want to give you an example of what I think Jesus means, at least means to me. And that is, um, I, have, I have a friend on our cul-de-sac, and I've talked about Gail many, many times. Um, I've actually been a bit of a broken record about it. And in the last two months since they've been gone to Florida, I've had numerous situations where I've had to ship things to them or get water meter reading notices um, from the water department saying that they can't get inside, they can't get outside, the water meter outside their home is malfunctioning and so forth. And uh, just, a, just a number of things without elaborating. And every year it's something. I've done this six or seven years now. And I, I water her plants and flush the toilets and run their sinks and open their cabinets so the pipes don't freeze and so forth. And, and what I realized uh, increasingly, because uh, I finally let it go after being consumed by it for a couple weeks, was that that's something I want to hide from spirit. I want to hang on to these grievances. I want to be right. I want to feel superior. I want to think to myself, I would never do that to anyone. Um, I would never impose on anyone for six months. Never. I wouldn't think of doing that. The problem for me has been in the name of specialness 
in the name of seeking approval, in the name of wanting to be loved, in the name of wanting to be liked, in the name of wanting to be accepted, I've said yes when I meant no. I have had tremendous difficulty my whole life in setting boundaries. My my entire life, I've said yes. And then I've, I've done things that I haven't wanted to do, and then I've really resented the hell out of it. And so I think... For me, Jesus is saying in paragraph 2, sentence 7, this establishes the proper function of the mind and corrects its errors, which are merely lacks of love. So what I'm realizing is that what I thought in enabling people all these decades, I, I'm realizing that that wasn't love. It, it, it wasn't. I mean, it and that's been hard for me to accept because it removes the identity I've had to being gracious and generous and kind and forbearing and all those things for my identity. But to their points, the mind that serves spirit is invulnerable, and if I'm willing to hide nothing, I think what I found in my studying the Course in Miracles, which Mary and Deb, Rev. Deb would say as well, is that you find as you study the Course that you'll see that what you didn't think you were hiding, you were hiding. What you thought you were putting on the altar, you weren't putting on the altar. It may have been perfunctory. It may have been obligatory or whatever. But when I realized the extent to which I was consumed by my anger toward Gail and Dennis... I don't want to live that way. So I finally got to the point, my last comment, is that the pain that was in my mind and within my heart was preventing me from feeling peaceful. So why would I, they do the best they can. It's like when I get upset with our, with our leader in the United States, he's our brother too. I don't want to cling to animosity and thinking, oh, my God, I cannot stand this because it hurts me. And Jesus says it's okay to say it's, hurt, it's, it's harmful to me because I'm not peaceful. So I find that I don't feel any, bear with me, I don't feel any shame about admitting this because by putting it on the altar and realizing I don't want to hide anything, the shame is gone, too the embarrassment that I've been doing this for so many years. I'm done. And, and then we might take a different step further, too, as you guys know, and I probably mentioned it back in September when we were doing the podcast then, is when the par- person I had that was uh, using my studio and wanted to kept calling herself my partner, but she never contributed financially at all, which I had a lot of resentment, you know, as, as time went on, it was only five months and there was one excuse after another, blah, blah, blah. And um, I remember having a lot of resentment and it was like, I had to really be with it. And there was like this final, like, you know, a straw that broke the camel's back and, instead of like blowing up or what have you is like, I really spent time with spirit and then I was able to 
give a measured response, a matter of fact response, a set a boundary of which she didn't want, she didn't want to follow. She didn't want to pay me. So it just came down to, she just didn't want to pay me. She, I guess she thought I should, she, I should just give her space and she doesn't have to pay me for using it, but that's okay. That's where she is. And maybe she needed that boundary set in her life, uh, knowing some of her history. So, you know, we never know what it is when we're in these relationships, uh, you know, because it was an escape from fear for me of speaking up and saying, this is my boundary and this is what's going on. And, um, and it was just a very clear, vivid, lesson that I had and what was coming up for me is, um, and I did complain, you know, there were times in my mind, I was complaining, complaining to friends, but when it came down to it, when I really just sat with it and been with it, it was like, okay, well, what is, uh, correct here? You know, where is spirit leading me? And, uh, and when I can speak from that place of truth and trust within my heart, and it makes a big difference. You know, and and I wish her well on her journey wherever she is. I, I don't know. So let's get back. We, actually, this is only four paragraphs, <laughs> which is great. Uh, so darkness is lack of light as sin is lack of love. It has no unique properties of its own. It's an example of the scarcity belief from which only error can proceed. Truth is always abundant. Those who perceive and acknowledge that they have everything have no needs of any kind. The purpose of the entailment, which is the undoing of fear, right, is to restore everything to you or rather to restore it to your awareness. You were given everything when you were created, just as everyone was. The emptiness engendered by fear must be replaced by forgiveness. That is what the Bible means by there is no death. And why I could demonstrate that death does not exist. I came to fulfill the law by reinterpreting it. The law itself, if properly understood, offers only protection. It is those who have not yet changed their minds who brought the hellfire concept into it. I assure you that I will witness for anyone who lets me and to whatever extent he permits it. Your witnessing demonstrates your belief and thus strengthens it. Those who witness for me are expressing through their miracles that they have abandoned the belief and deprivation in favor of the abundance they have learned belongs to them. restoring everything to us there is no death um once again the last line you know abandon the belief and deprivation in favor of the abundance they have learned belongs to them uh i know in paul's uh toolbox uh this week which is week eight so if you're listening to this at a different time um I think it was in the reading. I can't remember if it was in our study group sharing. I happened to go yesterday. And there was this thing where we descended from our magnitude to littleness. Maybe it is in the reading this week. It's the end of sickness. I know that is is the text uh, section. And that's what it is what we've done. We've forgotten who we are. 
we allowed ourselves to descend into this littleness, this belief and deprivation that <laughs> I can't have anything nice. <laughs> you ever hear that kind of statement, you know, it's like, you know, I just can't have anything nice around here. <laughs> but it's like, we, we have the abundance. We, we just don't realize it. It's when we, excuse me, bitch and complain. You know, we, in our discussion yesterday, I shared some things and I really am trying to find in my life a peacefulness about whatever it is that comes up. Like I was telling the gals before we started that, you know, it's like I had uh, two of my cats had, had a drop off at appointment this morning and, you know, it's like, oh, they both went in their crates easily, you know, no problems at all. And got, you know, they got them in the car and I'm all by myself doing this because nobody else is here. And I had like a green light, all the green lights all the way there, you know, and I'm all happy and, and everything. And then I go in and I talk with the, with the, uh, I guess it's a nurse per se or a vet assistant or whatever. And she said, oh, did they eat today? And I said, yeah. And she says, well, they weren't supposed to eat today because they were also supposed to have, besides their shots and comprehensive, you know, their, uh, their dental, which they have to put them under for the dental. And I was like, oh, oops. <laughs> I said, I guess my day didn't go as well as I planned. Um, you know, I'm starting to think that. And she said, oh, yeah, that's kind of crappy that you had such a nice day. It was like, this was like, quarter to eight, eight o'clock in the morning. And she's telling me this and I'm thinking, so I walked out and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't want to be in that mode that, okay, my entire day is ruined now because, you know, I forgot one thing. You know, if we, if we allow our lives to be ruined every time we forget one thing first thing in the morning or midday or evening or whatever, it's like, what is that going to do for us? And so it's like, okay, well, uh, maybe there's some good that's going to come out of this. You know, uh, there's always good in everything. It's like, what are we going to see? Are we going to see the deprivation or am I going to see the abundance? How about I take it that I felt great that two cats, both girls, don't like to get in those crates. And they just like pretty much waltzed right in when I, because I do it in the bathroom. So there's no escapees. <laughs> and I just kind of went right in. It just kind of took. I'll take that win today. Thank you very much, you know. Uh, and it's about shifting my mind is what it's always about. Do I want to uh, really believe about fear about everything in my life that happens, things that don't go my way? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, if you think about your life and all the things that you'd like to happen in a day, 99% of it doesn't happen, Right? We have a list this long. We don't get done. We didn't hear from this person. That, uh, why don't I just be grateful for what I have right here, right now? You know, maybe that person didn't call because I needed to sit here and peacefully meditate. You know, maybe whatever. I don't have to figure out why or anything. It's like, what is this teaching me? Instead of me trying to manipulate the world, what can it teach me to heal my mind? Right? It's like, oh, being gentle with myself because, oh, I've made a mistake and I forgot and I fed them. I mean, it's like, 
Uh, it could be anything that we deal with in our lives. So I'll stop there and I'm going to go over to. Well, couple couple of things uh, came up as I was listening to both of you. Um, one is, Gail, I, I I can relate to what you said about not being willing, not being able to say no, because for many many years I wasn't able to say no, and now I've learned how to say no graciously. You know, you don't have to go no. You just you just can be gracious about it. Um, but I totally agree with you. Then then. Um, in the reading itself, when when he talks about the hellfire concept coming in, that was that was uh, brought home to me yesterday. I belong to an Episcopal church, and the psalm we did for yesterday was all wrath. It was all wrath and rage, and you know God's going to punish you. And I'm thinking this is not what I believe anymore. <laughs> you know, and I don't, and I'm, and I, you know, most of the time we don't read that sort of psalm, but that's just what the one that came up this week. Um, in our in our order of readings, so I just said no. That's not true for me anymore. I don't believe that, so I let it go, and that's fine. Um, and as as far as you know, being deprived, I'm I'm very grateful right now. Um, I had a health challenge uh, earlier this month, and then last week I had some um, kind of worrisome test results. But you know what? I've decided I'm not going to worry about it. I can't do anything about it at the moment. All I can do is be gentle with myself, compassionate with myself, give myself love and love to others, obviously. Um, but not, not, not go into that fear mode because that is so easy to go into. It is so easy to get scared uh, and worried and say, oh, no, what does this mean? Um, so... All three of these things came up for me as I was listening to what you had to say, and I am very grateful for every moment of every day. And right now, my beautiful guide dog is lying here beside me. Oh, that was another thing. It looks like I'm going to have to retire him soon because he's developing uh, cataracts. But I wrote to his puppy raiser, and I said, I told her what the vet had said, and, and I said, um, would you like to have him back? And she wrote me back and she said, oh, yes, please. And I know she loves him. So it may be not, it's not going to be instantly. It may be a year before I have to retire him. But I wanted to make sure I had a place that he could go where he would be happy. So I'm just grateful for all these things and I'm done. Um, well, thank you both. I, I was... Uh, thinking about Deb and her having fed the cats and two minutes before I was coming up I have a favorite mug and it's a glass mug that I warm my coffee up in in the microwave and I put it down and the bottom fell out and I had coffee all over my clean floor because I cleaned the kitchen floor on Saturday and I'm, I'm really good about making sure I don't spill and so forth when I've cleaned the floor with my Swiffer. So I started to laugh. I had it all over the dishwasher, which we had just cleaned. It's a stainless steel dishwasher. My socks were soaked. And here I am trying to be timely. And I thought, okay, I just need to laugh out loud because this is not a big deal. And I'm not sure... 
I think what I can learn from it is that I coveted that mug and now it's gone. So it's an idol for me, you know, because it was my favorite mug and I have a whole cupboard full of mugs. Um, so that's firstly. Secondly, I want to share, which I shared on, on Thursday night too, that when Mary uh, shared with us uh, that uh, she had had some tests and so forth and her philosophy and her response, uh, it was a, a wonderful opportunity for me to look at how much fear it ignited in me. Um, Rev Deb and I have been working with Mary for years, years and years and years, and um, in, in various in various forums. And Mary, as as many of you know, perhaps you don't know, helps Deb uh, Rev Deb with uh, transcribing uh, all kinds of stuff for her. Uh, bless her. And um, anyway. I could go on and on about the ways in which Mary contributes. And I felt this huge sense of deprivation if something were to happen to Mary. I mean, I'm being very honest with you. I thought, I, I can't live without this person in my life. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. And that sentence that both of you, I believe, reference about deprivation, those who, um, truth in the, <laughs> is the, is an example of the scarcity belief from which only, and and that the purpose of the atonement is to restore paragraph three, everything to you, or rather to restore it to your awareness. You were given everything, so it was an opportunity to Rev Deb's point for me to say. I mean, Mary is so zen about it, is so chill about all this, and here I'm freaking out internally because I've grown accustomed to working with her, and she's a dear, dear friend and sister brother in Christ. So I think that the whole point for me and everybody is saying the same thing, we can use this, any segment of the, of the whole blue book as an opportunity to apply it, which is the thrust of the core of this whole ministry is practical application. So even if it doesn't make sense, you can take the smallest, seemingly inconsequential example, like my breaking my favorite mug. Seems in the scheme of things of no consequence, but I made it important. And I can laugh at it, just like Deb did with her, with her kitties. Now she's going to have to slap them back. And she's praying that she remembers not to feed them so that she doesn't have to slap over there a third time. I'm done. Actually, when Autumn comes over for spring break, I texted her and I said, I told her what it, because she asked how her cat was. And I said, well, this is what happened. And I said, well, guess what? I'm going to set up the appointment for when you're here so we both remember. <laughs> you know, we can use tools to help us, like other people, to help us remember. And, you know, the one tool that we do have, uh, speaking of tools, uh, you know, I guess, this whole thing with Paul's miracle toolbox each week, you know, rubs off on me. The one tool that we do have is the Holy Spirit. And it's a tool that we forget to use. You know, it, it's there. It's always present. It's always charged. You don't have to, you just have to plug into him, you know, pick it up, use it. You know, he's always ready to stand by and uh, work with us. And all we have to do is ask. And that's what we need to remember in all of this. If we want to escape from darkness, we just have to ask. Um, put out our hand and say, hey, I need your help, Jesus. I need your help, Holy Spirit. And, and they're there. Um, 
just like that old song, you got a friend, you know, you can just, James Taylor, you know, you can, you know, just call out my name and I'll be there. And that's all we need to do. So I think we had a great session today and uh, next time, which will be about two weeks from now, we will be looking at our next section, which is chapter one, section five, wholeness and spirit. So I hope you'll catch us for that next one as we keep moving through the text. So uh, thank you, ladies, for being here today. And thank you, everybody, for joining with us. And we certainly wish you much peace. Namaste. Play button.